You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we conclude our look at the filmography of director Martin Scorsese with a discussion of the films Silence and The Irishman. Here to discuss the films with me is a man who always knows what kind of fish he ordered and is never more than 10 minutes late, Mr. Ben Teed. Hi. Before we get into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what is it that you are drinking this evening? I had a little bit of extra time, so I got to prepare my drink. I don't know how this relates to either film that we're watching, but it just (laughs) felt right. I'm making it old-fashioned. It's got the big ice cube. It's got the, the, the sweetness. It's got the little bit of orange peel at the top. I got all fancy with it. Wow. So I'm I'm ready. This is gonna this is the final. I mean, it is it the final, but um mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I made it special because it's good. You gotta be pleased with that. Yeah, I was uh, I was running late, unlike I want uh, this, so, I want so, this bourbon. Yeah, so Jimmy Hoffa would have been upset with me because you can't be more than oh, 10 that's minutes true. Late. Yeah, I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's in there for, Mr. Teed. Mm-hmm. Uh so I am having something a little different this evening too. I'm actually uh, double fisting it. I'm having a more traditional, uh, you know, summer weather kind of a drink, which is a vodka lemonade uh, that I'm having. But then much like yourself, I have a tall, uh, well, this is just a shot, but of, uh, of whiskey that I'm going to yeah. sip on. Um, it is, I am uh, not a whiskey person. So this is like as whiskey light as there is, I believe. But it is, uh, it is, it is a peanut butter whiskey from Rams Point, and uh, it is what you would think it is. It's whiskey, but it has like a like a peanut butter sort of finish. I don't think that that sounds terrible. Uh, it's not I actually, terrible. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty okay. <laughs> it is. Uh, That's two two tastes I would have never associated, but I'm kind of thinking I'm into that. Yeah, or I'd be is, into trying it. It is dangerous, is what I'll tell you. So that's why I just poured myself just the uh, just the tall. It's a shot glass, but it's this big tall. Uh, I love New York shot glass, which you oh, know, you if, you, if you know me, you know that I did not buy this thing. But it is uh, <laughs> sorry to Alan, but um, it is not a thing that I purchased. But uh, it was in our cupboard, so I was like, oh, what the hell? That's a humongous shot glass. So I'm assuming it's like a four ounce uh, shot glass because it is huge. So, all right. So those are the movies that we're going to be discussing. That's what we're drinking. We're going to start in 2016 with the second to last film, the return to the sort of austere Martin Scorsese. The (laughs) the film is 2016's Silence. Our Lord said to them, go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Ferreira is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, then, both of you? Yes. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment 
you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. Your glory is their suffering. It's too dangerous. We asked for this mission. The IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. Like I told Mr. Teed, I picked the shortest one that I could find. Mm -hmm. And it says, in the 17th century, two Portuguese Jesuit priests traveled to Japan in an attempt to locate their mentor, who is rumored to have committed uh, apostasy and to propagate Catholicism. Boom, the end. (laughs) <laughs> other than me stumbling over apostasy which you can tell that uh, i do not read these beforehand because i'm like oh word i don't know uh so that is the uh, the very brief imdb plot synopsis mr teed what is your history with this film oh i i definitely did not see this in theaters but mm-hmm. i think it might have came to to streaming shortly after that so i probably definitely watched this in 2017 uh and i the thing is my background on this film is interesting. I worked with a gentleman at, um, at this huge guitar center place. It wasn't called guitar center. They'd be really pissed if I called it a guitar center. Uh, Cause they're, they're competitors with guitar mm-hmm. center. It's mm-hmm. called Sweetwater and it's a place in Fort Wayne that uh, is like a music music store type of thing. And I was <clears throat> shipping and packaging for them uh, way back in like, close to like 10 15 years ago um and i worked with this guy who um who identified as catholic and he kept trying to push this book on me and and Mm -hmm. and like the original the original work uh uh that that this is from and he's like this this book is amazing this book is about real uh like 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 real um like uh, faith yeah, like this is this is actually people putting their money where their mouth is in terms of like, you know, faith and and about you know being a real Christian and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, interesting. He starts telling me the the thing, and he goes, yeah. And Martin Scorsese wants to make a film about this. And I remember thinking, like, okay, like, well, that probably will happen because he's always making the other stuff, you know, always making other religious films. And you know, I guess this this is what like probably twenty plus years in the making. Mm-hmm. for this thing because i think he'd had the book and he'd read it for so long that um i don't know you know the time was right or whatever but here he uh he 
starts with uh, getting his uh, three white actors to play. <laughs> uh, well, well, you, well, you are you what? looking at my notes? Are you looking at my notes? Bro? I don't. I don't have your notes, but I'm just saying <laughs> it's weird because I guess you know I I get I get why you must try to sell movies using names okay. and stuff like that. And like other than the the three leads, there really isn't there isn't anybody that I recognize really? uh, in, in the film. And and um, I would have been fine with that. But um, but my my experience with this film coming out the other end, I do kind of, without having read the source material, uh, from the guy I used to work with, um, I really did enjoy this film, um, and and having you know uh, uh, maybe a more religious background growing up, and kind of seeing, you know the the depths it could faith could take you to, but at the same time, um it's a very tedious film and I have probably haven't, this is the first time watching it since it's come out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm of course watching it just for the show, but, but I'm also, you know, this, it'll probably be a while before I put myself through this again, (laughs) (laughs) but, but still saying that I came out of this um, feeling good about it. So, okay. Did you, Uh, I I think this is one you weren't, uh, you didn't have any background on, like you hadn't seen it. Yeah, correct. So I had okay. not, I had not, this is a first watch. Um, this was the movie that I was dreading when we were going through all of these. I was like, uh, the silence movie. This is the one that, um, you know, because I, if people are following along, like I didn't enjoy Kundun. I didn't enjoy the last temptation of Christ. Um, and this felt like it was going to be another one of those. And that's kind of how I felt about it. Um, yeah, so I was, I was, you know, we both have a religious um, upbringing, and so there are ideas that I like in here. There are character journeys that we go through that I think are engaging. But you used a word um, that I think is really important. If you look at the runtime, this is two hours and forty-one minutes, and you use the word tedious, and that's what it felt like for beyond the limits of what I was prepared for, I guess, because I, w- I knew it was going to be a slow movie. I'm, a, I'm fine with slow movies. Like I don't mind long movies, but I have to care about the characters. And when it, when it's characters that are these priests that my first note, like I was just teasing you about says, Oh, the two white Christians, please help the silly Asian. Nobody. Uh, won't you please help him? Blah. Um, because I was like, oh, don't don't be a, a white savior movie. Like I've seen this sort of stuff. So now where it goes in the end, I think is really exciting and engaging. But it's like the last five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, when when Liam Neeson returns is when you're fi- you're kind of like, oh, it's this. But up until that point, it's like two and a half hours of white savior. And I'm kind of like first, uh, that first that first half hour is so is so harrowing and and scary and and you know it, it would be so frightening to to land on this land on in this new land and like mm-hmm. uh, try to figure out from there where your mentor it, it was like there wasn't Liam Neeson's character wasn't he like their old mentor or something or yeah, someone yeah, they looked yeah. up to. Yeah, he was somebody that they had, yes, they, he was somebody that they had 
definitely uh, thought quite highly of, and he was an example of how to live and all of this. And, and so uh, Andrew Garfield's uh, Rodriguez and Adam Driver's uh, Garupe. Yeah, um, and, that, they, well, and that's part of the issue right there. When you say, <laughs> yeah, when you say Spider-Man's uh, Rodriguez. Spider-Man's Rodriguez. Fucking Star Wars dude as I guess Garupa. I could have I could have seen their I could have seen them as like white Spanish people. Like that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't know. There wasn't it the Andrew Garfield uh speaking in the way that he does. Mm-hmm. because um, he's British, isn't he? Well, he's from the U.S., I believe. Oh, he's from the U.S.? Okay, well, either way, speaking the way he does, it did remind me of, like, Last Temptation of Christ, where you have... I mean, he didn't have, like, a Brooklyn accent with Harvey oh, Keitel in the... Yeah, free, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't that weirdness. Oh, you're wasn't... right. Uh, you're actually correct. He was born in L.A., but they moved to uh, the U.K. when he was really young. Okay, I thought so. So, I, I just... You know, there was just something about... It really wasn't distracting enough, but I was I was trying to address the white savior part, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. which was um, having seen the seen it the first time. I definitely felt that like throughout the film, and then kind of seeing where they went, I felt a little better about it. Mm-hmm. But then coming back to this uh, a second time and kind of knowing full well what happens, it is really kind of just watching. Uh, some guy's faith get tested the whole time. He mm-hmm. thinks he's doing the right thing, but the the movie might be showing, it could be showing like, wow, check out this guy's faith. Look how strong he is and to be able to get through this and, and stuff like that. At the same time, it's also like, look at the destruction you've caused, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? You know, just, you know, just just uh, hypothesize and, and be done with this and like stop killing people. How is this Christian? How is mm-hmm. this, how is this supposed to be Catholic? You want to spread the word, but all you're doing is just ending lives and, and lives that uh, these poor villagers are willing to let go of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that it's just, it's, it's hard. Be- and that's kind of where the mystery of the film is. And I, I think that's why I enjoyed it so much better a second, t- a second viewing, mm-hmm. uh, knowing full well where, where it goes. And it was less tedious this time. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily, um, uh, I'm just saying like there are moments that could be sped up a little bit more. Uh-huh. But I think you need to feel the tedium of, of uh, Rodriguez and his journey and how hard it must have been to like, hide and and get away from these people and the inquisitor that comes up i loved all that stuff this time i think even like even in the way that all of that all of the scenes are done and and standing uh in those uh structures where they're being kept prisoner mm-hmm. and whatnot it, it they're all sitting on the ground it, all of it looks like rashomon it looks like mm-hmm. so much uh uh the the smoky fog and the the like the moon surface uh look of of the of the landscape and like even all that like all the 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 smoke and fire elements that are on the screen at all times like you can tell he's taken a page from kurosawa oh, i think they sure. met too i think i think yeah i think in the early 90s they met too at some point yeah i wouldn't like, be shocked if they didn't with so with the, and he's he's a such a huge proponent of world cinema that i'd be surprised that that he didn't view some Kurosawa before making this film mm-hmm. or something, you know? Yeah. One of the early notes that I thought was really good about the film was um, once they finally get 
into that group instead of it just being the one person that's leading them. Um, and they, they kind of get into the group of people and they have their little trinkets or they have their little, uh, like the cross, um, you know, obviously the religious symbology is all over the place, but uh, it's one of those where they have the, uh, the little wooden cross or whatever. And he gives it to one of those, one of those other priests, one of the Asian priests and um, or Christians. And um, the guy like basically squeezes it to death. Like he's squeezing it and his veins popping out. And I'm like, okay, this is really like this. I really like, like, I really like that this guy, he's so, um, like it's not hard to see his motivation because sometimes when you get those priest characters, they're intentionally detached. They're intentionally like, Oh, I believe this. So I don't need to uh, emote or I don't need to show sort of all of my emotions and feelings and that kind of thing. So I liked when the two, um, you know, our two leads when they show up and it was kind of like this group thought, Oh, here are the symbols. Here's our salvation. Here's all of these things that are going to pave the way to better times for us. So I thought that that was really good. Of course, you know, I mean, you know, that they're not all going to be fine, like from the beginning, because they're talking about, Oh, we have to hide. Uh, we can't be seen. And, and Garfield and driver are like, what do you, what, like, what do you mean? Why do we have to hide? And then they get the whole explanation of what, kind of is going on and how much danger they are in and that sort of thing. And so that I was really taken by. Uh, one of the things quite a bit later that I wrote down here that I also really enjoyed that I put wow with a whole bunch of W's is the line where it says they value these signs of faith more than faith itself. And that was sort of a contrast to what I had just said to where at the beginning it was those items that they were so wrapped up in and then later when it, we start getting like people that were refused to step on the image of christ or they refuse to do this that or the other because they don't want to sully uh god or whatever and i'm like god this is so dumb just step on the fucking picture that doesn't mean that you don't believe that doesn't mean that you're not honoring that means you in this situation you are trying to save somebody and I, I got so frustrated with Rodriguez and his like, you know, his, his continual refusal to give the people what they wanted, uh, costing other people's lives. Like you were saying. It makes me think like the Endo, Endo is the author of the book. Uh -huh. uh, and it made me think that like there must have not been either this actually happened or this, this, there's no, uh, uh, way to illustrate how to renounce your faith like mm -hmm. rather that because you know like in some ways i i identify way more with kichi kichijiro mm. um, oh uh-huh uh-huh that keeps uh, like that kinda, keeps renouncing and keeps being able to he's the, he's the judas yeah, yeah he's the judas one but he's been able to survive this whole time he's the one with guilt he's the one he is he is all of us he's the sinner he is the mm -hmm. one that mm -hmm. that continues to do more whereas um rodriguez uh and and garupe and and even and even ferrera in some instances <laughs> all try to model christ mm -hmm. and and like the the thing with Christ is that he he you know in according to the doctrine 
has died for all of the sins. So if you step on the plate and that is a sin, you can be forgiven. You can give confession. Uh You Uh can get stuff melted away because see, that's the thing is like, I realize there's a striving and stuff like that, but like so much less pain and so much less uh, renouncing and stuff like that. But I guess that, that, that is the point of the book. It is the illustration of how far does one go and and it's like it's interesting too. This the second time I didn't consider this, but the the inquisitors have to they they go well. We're not going to kill the priest because we learned our we learned our lesson that time. Mm-hmm. We could kill villagers, but I mean we've also learned our lesson there. So what do we do? So they figured out a way to kind of manipulate the priests and talk to them in such a way that it makes it a little bit more. Uh, uh, like look at look at all of this that you've done like look Mm. at all the damage you're causing like we don't necessarily even look at christianity or catholicism even as a threat we we are a curse to this to this um to this world or to to this to this thing it's just we don't think that it's ours Mm. it's interesting how they how they say um it's like a tree you know this a tree will plant just fine over in spain or england or holland or wherever but it won't plant here in japan it's poisonous Mm. and so it just it just can't happen and stuff like that we're you know interesting also never knew buddhas could be this violent Um, (laughs) yeah really right it's very very strange uh but like the thing is when it happens it's very violent and then and then like it almost like i noticed this time watching it they are really kind of uh, uh, not as, it's not as violent as I thought. I mean, obviously the drownings and the burnings and stuff like that, that's very violent, but the, the, the specific beheading was like, Oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. And like, I knew to, to brace for it the second time. And it was uh-huh. very, I remember just thinking, man, like this really is like the one time that they are super scary. Like, like, like the most fearful that you get of them. It's almost know, like they're, Scorsese they're, does that every once in a while because in Kundun they did have the one where they were lopping the guy's arm right. off and all that. That's so right. So it seems yeah. like he has to have he has like one moment where he's like, I'm going for it, I'm going for it in this one spot. But the rest of the time it's gonna be slow, agonizing deaths or hanging people upside down, or you know, yeah, like you mentioned, the the uh, the tied in tied out stuff was really was tough you're <laughs> watching that going oh god that would be awful right so this movie at a certain point like drops the the um because obviously it needs to be frustrating uh-huh. it needs to be this like rodriguez dude it is right there you yeah, just you need doing? to like do it and like then the, at a certain point at the end of the film it gets to be a point where it seems, and this is just my reading of it the second time. Cause I really enjoyed it the first time I went, wow, I never considered any of this even close to thinking about any of this as a person of faith growing up and not really having much faith or spirituality at all. As an adult, my, my takeaway from this is I, I see other people I know in this film as like, Oh, they definitely would be doing what Rodriguez does. Oh, I, you know, I know most people I know would never do what Rodriguez is doing. Uh, um, but what's fascinating is the film up to a certain point um, is kind of like, I would say like we, I don't know if that's the right word, but like coy or like withholding um, how it feels about um, the self-righteousness of, 
Rodriguez and uh-huh. like, you know, him being able to like look into the water and see the face of Christ and his, his ideal face of Christ. Yes. Face of Christ. It's the same painting image. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful image and a beautiful sequence of him looking in the water and like seeing Jesus. And it's like it, this time, my, my first time I'm like, wow, what a, what a, what a, a uh, weird thing this time I'm totally like is the movie like being obvious is it telling you know is it trying to tell me that this guy's nuts like this guy's absolutely crazy and it's just getting people killed and not that he doesn't care but like he can't he is not he is sick like he cannot let go of something that he knows is causing more damage uh, all to um all to keep the faith. And the thing is like, I think that's what a, a, like a priest or anybody would come to me and say, but that's what faith is about. And that's kind of where it's hard for someone who isn't necessarily has any like faith these days. I mean, I have faith. Like I have, like I have, I personally wouldn't necessarily subscribe to maybe like an organized religion, but like Uh I wouldn't put it past you know, a higher order, you know, of some form, you know, I'm, I, maybe that's like science hasn't explained it all. And so we just kind of like think of the unexplainable as a much higher order of something in control, but really mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of systems working. And so like, you know, I can, I can see a little bit like there and identify with it enough, but like to hear this as just as plainly as it is, in like the world as it is, it was really hard this time for me to identify with Rodriguez. Yeah. The only times where I kind of felt like what you're talking about is when he starts looking into the puddle and he starts making faces and making different sounds and he's kind of losing his mind a little bit to where I saw that and was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's broken. He's never going to denounce God or, to pull back from his faith because he is completely sucked into this tunnel vision to where it could be completely proven that what he is doing and saying is harmful and hurting others, but he's beyond the point of caring. Like that's, he's, he's giving completely into the faith. Right. Right. And so since he is, he has that and he, you know, gets so frustrated with the people that are being hung upside down and thinks a person's sleeping instead of a person that's trying not to die of all. Um, it's just a thing where this guy is, is sort of religious to the extreme. And it is uh, like, this is the danger of going too far is kind of what I thought when I was watching him and it's tough because Andrew Garfield is such a likable person. And so when I see him, I'm like, I want to like this guy, but then he's doing these things and I'm like, what is, why are you doing this? You know? And it's almost like, uh, that is the entire point. It has to be the entire point, right? Yeah. Because even in something like never let me go where he's playing a certain character or in, um, Oh, the John Cameron God, I Mitchell love, movie. I love Never Let Me Go. Yeah, well, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, or uh, what's the movie that I didn't like? Uh, Beyond the Silver Lake, something, something, Silver Lake. Oh, yeah. He wasn't bad in it, but I didn't think the film was really that much to write home about. No. Uh, I mean, was... it was trying to be this, like, real interesting, like, mystery film. 
And ultimately it really didn't result in me. Like part of, part of needing that mystery is for me to want to uncover it. And I didn't feel motivated enough by the film to like, be like, I don't really care. Yeah. It was like a bad version. It was a bad version of what our first ever recording was about was, uh, which was brick. And it was like a bad version of that to where it's like a bad neo-noir is what it felt like to me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, so I always want to like Andrew Garfield. And so when I see him here, I, I get that constant sort of push pull of wait a minute he's do he's being an idiot what are you doing like why are you not helping these people really and you're just kind of like oh nope I'm uh, I'm not going to denounce God even if all these people die because of it you know and that sort of thing I was like is that's completely contrary to what your beliefs are supposed to be um, and and so I I was sort of battling that a little bit to where I was like am I supposed to think he's true wait a minute what or he's right what is what is the movie telling well, me kinda, there's a little bit of that it's kind of the same it's just a different it's just a different way of of showing someone deteriorating over time and and like it's just not a he's not a bad guy a bad boy like leo is or he's not a bad boy like mm, yeah okay. uh, robert de niro is or whatever it's just watching it's watching people with flaws go through their life and you definitely feel sorry for them but also they should it's also about we all should know better so it's Mm -hmm. like it's almost like almost every one of his films features somebody that you kind of pity but also don't because Mm -hmm. they should just know that that's not the way we treat people and act um yeah it's weird it's almost like it's an anti-hero as a priest (laughs) but it, it's which like is, which is it, great i mean yeah. i love i love that premise i love but that it, read he's like it. a he's like an anti-hero in like he's too strict in his beliefs kind of a thing instead of you know whatever like the the bad version of that <laughs> it's is like what my thing is how my thoughts um are sort of turning towards it this is one of those where I much prefer, like, I will not, I haven't ranked either one of these because I didn't want to do that to have you see them before uh, because I'm cagey like that. But um, (laughs) this is, this is definitely one of those movies where it's much more interesting for me to talk about it than it is to watch it because there was long stretches where I was watching it and I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. Okay. There's more of this. Oh, there's another one of these sort of scenes. Oh, and there's another one of these sort of scenes. Okay. And I just kind of was going along with it. It was like, oh, fuck, I still got an hour left of this. Holy shit. And that kind of feeling. Then when we get to that end or when we get to the Adam Driver sort of moment, I was like, oh, what? What is it? What is this? Like, this is interesting. So it was kind of surprising me when it was being interesting sort of a thing. Like, I, I felt like that first hour ish, I was kind of given up on the movie to where I was like, I don't know if this is for me like i don't know what it's doing that kind of thing part of me wonders if because i kind of felt similar on my first watch but still came out liking it yeah part of me wonders if because you know you don't know going in how tedious it's going to be that you you get the point much quicker than the movie allows so maybe a little bit tighter Uh in that like second second third or so like to the get get to the point a little bit quicker but also it it really does illustrate how much these two Jesuit priests go through mm-hmm. uh, and how long they must have had to wait. And like the desperation on his face, every time he hears someone offer up the name Ferreira 
as like, oh my gosh, like you, you know him or you've heard of him or you know where to go and stuff like that. Like, and also there must be, there must be some sort of, uh, just give Marty however much time he needs. It's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta be because it's, it's gotta those, be a mixture of this. Because at, at this at this age that he's in and at this status that he's at, it's like what producer is gonna say, you know what, I know better than you. You're you're keeping this at two hours. But you unlike know? some of the other ones before, um, like too many parties in in uh in oh in Wolf, Wolf yeah. Wall Street, this one it's like I I get what he's doing i can kind of see that yeah you would you would want to like show the agony of being here forever and really nothing happening and being scared and and like wondering what will happen i didn't feel nearly as uh uh, exhausted by the end or by by the end of this film what did kind of uh um make me disappointed uh was the finale of this of this picture had uh had it, w- it was making things much clearer to mm-hmm. me uh-huh. and when i wished they kind of remained a little bit more ambiguous and i'll i'll speak about those in in particular but only if we were ready to talk about the ending well like, i want to talk about the adam driver stuff before we get into sure, the, yeah, the let me, let's, stuff. let's yes let's yeah sorry so adam driver is God, he's in a weird spot right now for me. Um, I, oh, really? I I really don't like him in the Star Wars stuff. I And so then I see him in something like Marriage Story or in this when he's playing serious. And I have, I just like have a hard time taking him seriously when I see him. I just think of him as like, he just seems like a goof to me. Like, I don't know what it is about him. But he just is, is a guy that I don't ever like. I always feel like I see the performance instead of seeing a character whenever I see him. And that's for whatever reason my own hang up with him. But what I was hoping for in this film was a little bit more of like them sort of debating amongst each other. And it's like, should we be doing that? I don't think we should be doing this. Like, this is fucked up. Oh, this is okay. Like, just make sure you don't step on the Jesus, you know, and all that. Like I was hoping for one to be very, very religious. And then Adam driver to be the more emotional and like, we need to stop doing this. Like we're killing these people. And instead we get for, for which I can't believe that I'm saying is in a two hour and 45 minute movie, we got what felt like a really quick switch in the Adam driver character where he's for me, all of a sudden, like, no, I'm going to go drown myself to save these people or attempt to save them. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, that's even dumber than what Andrew Garfield's doing. He, <laughs> to, to be fair, he does look like he is also at his wits end. In the same way Rodriguez is. No, well, here's just so we get the order right of events. Like, uh-huh. like they watch those uh, two or three elders um, uh, uh, die by drowning because yeah. the tide comes up and and essentially they just leave them there for days on end, and they all they, some people hang on, and that's really dark. Uh-huh. And then they burn the bodies, um, Rodriguez and. Uh, What's his name? Garape? It's Adam Driver. (laughs) Adam Driver. Oh, yeah. Garupe. Garupe is how, yeah. They they are magically somehow able to watch the whole time. 
um which of course is just that's yeah it's like you know Uh, yeah you you never have to eat or leave or go to the bathroom or anything yeah or or worry about like like they're still hanging there yep still (laughs) hanging there oh dang um but the moment that happens uh Garupe's out of there. He's just like, no, I don't. This isn't yeah, worth it. That's like, true. like, yeah. and and that's that's very realistic. Like, I would be like, okay, so he exits the film essentially. The next time you see him, he is walking up with a group, with a group of people that, um, uh, uh, Rodriguez also knows, and he is looking very like haggard and very like, like ski- like he looks even skinnier. Yes, like as if he hasn't been eating. So, so I can understand him going a little nuts uh when he was trying to escape this whole time and now he lives in a crazy world where you know he must look at japan as this like just absolute horror and oh, it's a hellscape for him yeah yeah and so like by the time they get him out and and, sh- and show what kind of torture they're gonna do or, or no, just execution really um he goes out there and they can't do much because they hold him down so i don't know if, if he necessarily thought that like you know and and the death could be symbolic too like it doesn't necessarily have to be like literal of him being like no i'm stupid and just gonna go out there and not realize what i'm doing mm-hmm. like he's a, he he is also a priest saying if i can just save one soul if i can yes. just go out there and, and grab one person it would be worth it right and 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 like that to me i i can i can feel that a lot better. right yeah like i think that the message is really good i just thought that what they chose to do and the way that they, because it's not a, it's, it's a point of view movie, but it's not a point of view movie because we are with Andrew Garfield most of the time, but it's not exclusive to being with just him with his perception of everything. Because I don't get why we didn't see then a cutaway of what Adam driver was doing and to see him losing his, losing his mind or getting frustrated or wanting just to, save these people and you know he's he's just sort of the the frustration's mounting and then we get the scene where he gets dragged out and he reunites with andrew garfield and he's frustrated that rodriguez won't just help these people and so then he's kind of like well fuck this i'm gonna go help them and then it causes his own death because it felt like that was something that they could have played a lot more emotionally and instead it was so removed and I get that the movie doesn't have a ton of, of score, um, but it's, it was just played completely oh, yeah, straight. Yeah. It was, just, it was played completely straight in that moment. There was no music at all. It's just Andrew Garfield screaming while Adam driver is swimming out there. And then what I didn't understand was he's swimming, he's swimming out there. The person's got uh, like the bamboo or whatever wrapped around them. So they can't use their arms. And then he's trying to hold the one person up. And then this dude's got this long ass pole and that's like keeping both of them down. I was like, what is, what is, what's happening here? Like what? There's exactly- a lot of, there's a lot of quick edit going on there that I just wasn't, I wasn't. Uh, yeah. It was like, it's like, she's definitely filled up with water at this point. Yeah. And so she you don't have to worry about her cause she's just going to struggle. Her arms are down. So I'll take this opportunity to use the stick to keep Garupe. And he's just like, apparently got him by, because my imagination would be something shaped sort of like how a crutch is shaped. And he's got him like on the shoulder with one of his, like maybe like, you know, semi-circle shaped pieces on the end of this pole. And he's just holding him down. And apparently Garupe's like, yeah, fuck it, let's just die here then. 
because he, he doesn't like struggle. He doesn't like try to get away. He just sits there for a while. And he's like, yep, I'm dead. And then just floats off. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, what about, you know, what about like, it's dark wanting to stay alive to help others? Like, what about that? Not just like, oh yeah, I'm beaten. I guess I'll just was, die for others. I don't know, it was very quick. It all just happened really fast. Oh. And, and it's my understanding that, I mean, I'm, I'm currently in swim lessons with my son and apparently they say it can happen in seconds. Well, uh, that's like crazy. A, a drowning. Like you just, yeah, so you I, take a big, you take a big gulp and you're out yeah essentially like yeah. so it's that's super fucking frightening first okay. of all well i can see but, that but I was but like, also Jesus. but also like i don't know like just the way it, the way that time and how long it would take for something like that i just i it's hard it's really hard to think about it is <laughs> in, in, a, in a in any context whether or not i'm the one underwater or someone <laughs> I, i'm witnessing someone else underwater yeah it's just it was like just... one of it was just the lack of struggle is what I was sort of bothered by where I was like, yeah. you're not even attempting to stay alive after you're, after you're giving up your life to go help these people. It's like qu- I do remember it was quick cuts. I do remember was. that because yeah. then it all ends with driver like floating, just floating there. Yeah. yeah. And then you see um, Andrew Garfield doing his most Andrew Garfield uh, scream face. Which he does in like half of his movies, at least. Oh yeah, <laughs> just, like, I remember staring. that. I remember the one in the one film where you just mentioned. Oh yeah, uh, never let me go. Where he's just like go. he just like really stares down the barrel and just screams, and uh, he does that. He does that a lot, and he's good at it. But I'm like, I need okay. to revisit that. It's it's a really good. It's, it's one of those where it's like a detached movie, though. It's weird because I don't have any hangups with Driver. I actually think that oh, okay. literally everything I've seen, and even bad things. He's. I always think he's really good. He is my favorite part of the new Star Wars movies. I oh, think it's because he's. I think it's because he's interesting. Like, obviously, I don't like what they did with him. I don't like it. I really anything about that third film. Not that I need to get into that, but <laughs> but but like, I thought what they had set up for for the for the seventh and eighth movie was so good, and mm-hmm. like, and, and in particular, his part in it, oh. uh, giving him like kind of this opportunity to really he really changes the character landscape by getting rid of his father um but anyways like even even like stuff like um oh gosh it was a zombie movie from jim jarmusch i can't think of the name of it oh like the Um, don't die or something like that. yeah yeah even that one he is supposed to be funny in but he just plays it kind of like just straight face and just keeps saying over and over again throughout the film i don't think this is gonna end well Hmm. I don't. I don't. I think it's zombies. Like he, he's just a very serious character, but can do that. I don't know. Even his SNL stuff was good. I liked. I liked some of those. Well, he was good in um, uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis in that little. Oh, yeah, cameo that's that right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was that was probably my first time ever seeing him on screen. Yeah. Of him going outer space. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just a, he's a dude that I. I mean. I don't know. I've also like, heard like his te- his TED talks and stuff like that. He does a lot for uh, theater in the armed forces and all that. He, oh, okay. He's a yeah, he's a force for good, I think, in general. But interesting. But, um, but yeah, no. I, well, no, that's not true. I think the first time I saw him would have been Francis Ha, because he plays oh, okay. like a like a because I didn't watch Girls and I still haven't seen Girls, but um, but that was his like famous thing coming in. Yeah. 
I didn't. Uh, he's going to be in uh, a new Noah Baumbach movie, so I'm going to be seeing that. I'll be. I'll be watching uh, it. And listen, well. <laughs> just just say Noah Baumbach's directing it. I'll yeah. You're like, it. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Um, oh gosh, what else was I going to say about these other actors? I guess. Well, let's talk about know. the Liam Neeson of it. Yes. Now, obviously, let's put aside. I mean, we both kind of stated our thing about like this is completely inappropriate. Why are these people sounding like this and whatnot? But we remember, oh yeah, it's a Martin Scorsese film. We're here to have famous actors in it. Yeah, because we can because we can afford to. So yeah, as opposed to like that's what's so crazy to me is like I get it. Say that I am producing a movie, I'm going to need big time actors because I'm not going to be able to sell the movie based on me but this is martin fucking scorsese like if he's not going to be able to sell a movie just based on him and he has to bring in actors i find that difficult to believe so it's just like i it seems like a want rather than a necessity which kind of rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way it makes me think that who is this that's actually a really good point who is this movie for i don't know if it's for (laughs) i don't know if it's for christians no, I don't know. I don't know because <laughs> all the, get Christians... to the end, I don't think so. No. <laughs> uh, well, mm, I see. I don't know. I, I, we, we will have to talk about that ending because okay. I, I legitimately read it a certain way the first time, read it a slightly different way the second time, oh. and it seems to me like you might have had it. You might have had it a little bit different, but, but anyways, but having Liam Neeson in and stuff like that, I, I get the need to do it, and yeah. I get the need to have like like actors that. Uh, American audiences would recognize uh, but also I just I'm actually totally fine with just hiring uh, Spanish people mm. and even making it Spanish speaking now obviously mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese wants to work with all these fun people so I don't blame him I guess or they don't or they want to work with him right or they want to work with him yeah yeah uh, but putting all that aside I do think that uh, I like Liam Neeson in this I like watching the watching the struggle at the very beginning and then him kind of being the private Ryan of this. That's not what ends <laughs> yeah, up happening. That, well, yeah, but that's a good, that's a good comp actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not quite that because every waking minute of saving private Ryan is spent looking for private Ryan. Yeah. Like this entire team goes, but there is a, we're traveling to an unknown area to, to get our guy back. And so like, there's even moments where it's like, listen, I haven't heard hide nor hair of this guy. We have no clue if he's even alive anymore. We I've heard telltale that he is now has a has a, a a wife and a kid that are Japanese and stuff like that, which must have been so horrifying to these mm-hmm. to these Spaniards or whatever. You know? How dare you? Yes. Uh, yeah, how dare he uh, have uh, uh, <laughs> another culture or take on another culture or whatever? Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that was so fascinating about this was the talk with the. Um, with the inquisitor where he talks about these other countries and stuff like that. And it's like really, really pushing on another culture to, you know, you want, this is the truth though. This is the truth. You want, you should want to be on the side of good. You should want this. And it's like, isn't that how a villain works? Isn't that how how villains work in movies? Yeah, manipulation. manipulation and like coming in and going, no, no. And it's not like we're manipulating you 
it, it, like their intentions are evil, they think that they're doing the right thing. They believe that yeah. their faith well, is that's, bringing that's them the here. Best villains, right? You hear but, that so but, often, especially like in our little funny books, to where the best villains are the ones that don't know that they're evil. It's so subtle in this in this movie, though, because you could you know look at someone like um, like Leo in Wolf of Wall Street, or you know. Um, literally any uh, travis bickle could be easily be a villain you know and and, but he believes what he's his quest is that he's doing something right same thing here with rodriguez like like how could how could this be again how could you be against god it's the wrong thing and stuff like that but look at the destruction that you're doing look at you don't realize like in some ways i get in the second time around watching this film i totally understand why the inquisitor is doing what he's doing and he's mm-hmm. being very patient. Uh-huh. And the thing is they did their homework on, on what Catholicism is. Like they know all the things that they said, they've given it a lot of consideration. They sat with several priests and talked and stuff like that. But then they realized, no, this is, this is just another way that uh, uh, these white groups will take over and colonize our our uh our our island of japan uh-huh. we need to protect it so in order for us to protect ourselves and to keep japan japan we need to stop this from spreading and so like i get that now seeing it a second time and and seeing these these it's like i i almost kind of like i don't see how anybody could watch this film again and and see rodriguez as a good guy and, well, no, and not yeah, a, he's not and no, not as like not this like self-righteous crazy person that is just another is is trying to form another and the thing is too you think about how when liam neeson at the very end says you know all they wanted was the objects all they didn't even get to i forget what the what the way he said it was but it's like they weren't they weren't even actually believing what we were talking about they just believed in their own version of it Hmm. but isn't that what isn't that what rodriguez (laughs) is doing well isn't that what all of the the buddhists are doing right isn't that what every christian and every religion as an organized religion you're just believing in your own version of something you created your own rules these all these rules were created by man so okay like that's why it's hard for someone like me to side with anyone in this is is that like it's, it's someone who kind of looks at not not looks at organized religion i see a, like a use for organized religion and, and a need for a community for some people and people who have gone through very traumatic things pro- possibly need to have uh some form of of comfort in coming from uh having having an organization like that help them but at the same time as someone who can see a manipulation either with whether it's in rodriguez's uh from silence or like, you know, uh, uh, Sunday from, uh, there will be blood, you know, character, religious characters that are very manipulative to a, to a degree that they're, they get to manipulate these large groups and get them to move just based off of, off of just pure faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is the one that like, but then the film at the very end, um, does the thing that I feel like is way too on the nose. Like at first I thought, oh man, the first time I saw it and seeing him as an old man and um, in his uh, like, like barrel coffin uh-huh. uh, and they, and they zoom in on his hands and in his hands is the cross is a cross right. that he's had this whole time um, when he was told to get rid of such items that were Christian. 
but it turns out that he's just devout all the way through. And I feel like that, as well as Liam Neeson, I feel like they're being too on the nose, being Mm. a little bit more ambiguous about that. Or are they still or aren't they? Would have been a lot more artful. And here it's just like, let me make it obvious for you. And I feel like that's a Scorsese thing. Uh, not not a I, I don't I don't know for sure because I haven't read the source material, but my guess is that might have been something that Marty put in because he thought it would have been better served that way. And and also he I think he identifies as Catholic. You know, he yes. meets with the Pope and stuff like that. He 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 is very much open about his religion and stuff like that. No problem with his ending in terms of his own personal reasons. But I but I love the fact that I would have loved it a little bit more if it would have been ambiguous because Andrew Garfield looks at Liam Neeson and says, wait, you just said our God. Yes. And he's like, you know, I, you know, this is, exactly, would... this is exactly what I'm talking about. So we get we get the moment where Liam Neeson comes back and he has a change of heart and he's not the person that needs saving because he's adopted this different religion because he's seen the benefits of not being so strict and so um, God dominant in his life, basically. And he's adopted a new religion and he's saved all these people. And it's just, he's kind of given up the faith in some ways, it seems. And and Andrew Garfield's trying to convince him otherwise and and this sort of stuff. And then we get the moment where they're, um, they're collecting the items saying whether they're Christian or not. And I was loving that, right? Because I'm like, oh, yes, okay. So they've figured out that it is not just a faith-based thing. It is like it is like a tribe-based thing to where we identify as this, which means we're allowed to do that. Because we're Christian, we can do these things, right? With these, with a sort of like... Um, Oh, just like the 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 sort of villainy of the of the Catholic faith in the in the past, right? With oh, because we are British and and Catholic, we can uh, control all these lands and and persecute all of these people because we know what's right and they don't. And so they get a little bit of the the anti of that to where they get to say, oh yeah, this is Christian. No, throw this out. Oh, get rid of this. Um, and the Dutch person is is all upset about them discarding their items and then when we do get that final moment and he's got the the cross i was like well fuck that because then it's then you're supposed to believe that andrew garfield was saying this but actually not believing it himself and that just read as muddy to me that didn't that didn't read as clear of a of an arc as i wanted because it it reads like he would never give it up until he does give up, but then he didn't really give up. And I was like, well, what is, what is that? Like that, that just means yeah, like you're screwing uh, people over forever then <laughs> until he dies. I don't know. And it comes, and it comes at the, at the expense of, of being more artful. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, like it's, it's too much of, of Scorsese being a, well, to take it back to the Scorsese on Scorsese book him talking about growing up and, and, and spending time with a priest, a bunch of the, the, you know, teenagers hanging out with the, 
with the cool rock and roll priest that he used to hang out with yeah, and yeah, introduced yeah. him to rock and roll and stuff like that. And of course, I couldn't decide whether or not I wanted to be a priest or if I wanted to be a director. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? You kind of became both. Mm-hmm. And like, this is just clear evidence of that. Absolutely. You know, I, it, I don't think that there's ever been a more clear, like even more clear than The Last Temptation. Uh-huh. He is absolutely doing that. I yeah, think it, was, every... it was almost like let's do Last Temptation again, but make it let's let's take Christ out of it and make it more about my personal feelings as opposed to a it Christ kinda, it, retelling. It kind of is another Christ retelling without uh, yeah. Jesus because <laughs> because you have the Judas character, you have all this stuff, but like the thing that kind of like I, I kind of like winced at was um uh, uh, the voice when he uh, is about yeah, to yep. to step on the Fumi, uh, uh, the little the little uh, uh, engraved image, like he hears that like, voice. Da, da, da. And and I would have <laughs> much pre- I would have much preferred if it was Andrew Garfield's voice. Oh, absolutely. That, I feel like that. <laughs> but, maybe, but maybe that's maybe that's too on the nose. Maybe that that's, have, maybe that may have given away the end a little bit. Because well, he's so wrapped is, up in himself. He's so wrapped up in himself. He's so much thinking, I need to make this self-righteousness. Even mm-hmm. Jesus was, in some ways, uh, overly self-righteous about, like, you know, talking about, oh, why have you abandoned me, God? You know, yes, and that, yes. si- that silence that Jesus gets back is that there is no, that there is no communication that, that, he, that he can hear with his human ears. And that's all everyone's waiting on is that silence and that silence. And, and then, of course, he's just like, I knew the whole time that you're silent. I knew that was, you know, like using that as your faith. Uh-huh. It's, it is, in, while interesting, it, it just seems a little too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just wish it was a little bit more mysterious and ambiguous. Because that's the cool part about this is that it is mysterious. That, that's, the, that's the part about the mysteries of faith, as they call it, is as someone who did grow up Catholic and hear a lot about uh, uh, this type of stuff. The want... Uh, the the excitedness that Catholics get at getting at getting to be martyrs and like mm-hmm. the slightly like uh, off or the very not slightly off the very off uh, feeling you get when you hear someone say that out loud and stuff like that like <laughs> oh you actually want to die for Christ oh yeah. you would be proud to do this not oh, wow, a thing that... I ever understood ever even when well, I was going to church three times a week I was like I, uh, I don't get this at all. Of course not, but but at the same time, like, isn't that? But that is the faith. That is the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. like that's the thing that that they go gaga for. So it's just there's a part of me that just I can see that type of stuff, and it fits so well. And I I, I ultimately walked away feeling great about the film. I thought it was good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it fits so well with the rest of his, uh, with the rest of his uh, uh, oeuvre. But like at the same time, like yeah i don't i probably i was this close to buying the blu-ray and just being like i'll just i'll just check this out or whatever i'll you know and then i thought you know what how many times how many more times am i gonna watch this in my life (laughs) yes like i may see it make maybe three more times before i die maybe yeah but you know what this is why i love having plex because i could (sighs) get the dvd through netflix and I could put it on there. And if I want to watch it, it's there. If I don't want to watch it, it's not there. If I want to check out the special features, awesome. It's fine. It just costs me a couple of gigabytes of RAM, right? Like it's not a big uh, expense. And it's it's a thing where it doesn't feel like a vital rewatch for me personally. 
to where I watch it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And now maybe I'll have some sort of crisis of faith or I'll have something that happens to make me be more of a religious person. And this is a thing that I'll turn to, but in my current state, in my current state, I'm like, I don't know if I need this one again. No, I, it's interesting that you say that. Cause I think that like, there was nothing about this film, even the first time that ever made me want to be like, Oh, do I need to be religious again? Do I need to feel yeah. no? Uh-huh. Like, it's interesting because this is my, this is my go-to film a go-to uh, analogy. When, when I hear about Christians being very unchristian, like it's like, well, you guys uh... think you're so, you guys think you're so Christian when you, try to push your views on people and stuff like that but have you ever sure sex is great but you have you ever tried uh have you ever tried uh dying for other for you know an entire village of people have you ever sent other villagers to die because you because (laughs) you you know like there's something there's something about that that uh, about this type of film that it's like you don't know anything about right you know your faith or 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 the depths that you would go to and this film actually tackles what happens if you uh under under threat of torture or death what happens when you uh what like what is your uh uh uh, i guess duty to the higher power Mm. and then not only that but like, do you have a plan for when it doesn't work? Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what's your when, alternative <laughs> when you are not able to perform it because you are also human? Uh, what, where do you go from there and how do you face it? And then you watch all the, you watch Kichi, Kichi Jiro, uh, uh, how he deals with it, which is just mm-hmm. to run away mm-hmm. and just live in the mountains like a crazy person <laughs> or, or you could drive yourself to madness like Rodriguez. So it's just, yeah. it's, you know, obviously they show all sorts, or you sacrifice yourself like Garupe or whatever. So, yeah, man, yeah. It, it's it, it's. I like the questions this is asking, but I sure wish it didn't answer any of them. Sure, and yeah, I, I think like that's Marty really. Did. Yeah, that's really well said, actually, because like I said, I I have I'm getting more out of the discussion than I did the film. Um, I thought the film was okay. I I didn't have a great experience watching it i'll say it like that like i think that it it rises a lot of questions but i would rather discuss those questions than watch the movie kind of a thing if that makes any sense right oh yeah definitely all right well anything else about uh, silence before we move on to our final film mr teed four stars is all i want to say four stars okay (laughs) i gave i gave this three stars so yeah so for uh, better than uh, Temptation of Christ, but, uh, you know, just kind of okay for me. All sure. right. So our final film, it is from 2019. It is the Netflix original, the very lengthy 2019 film, The Irishman. Frank Sheeran. I saying that right? Yeah, you said it right. Uh, under the contract, management can only fire a driver on very specific charges. So you have a show up late. No. Do you have any moving violations? No. Do you drink on the job? No. Do you ever hit anybody? On a job? Yeah. I don't think so. All right, then. We don't have nothing to worry about. Well, now I'm a man. 
want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. A friend at the top. Back then, there was nobody in this country who didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was. Charge a guy with a gun. With a knife, you run away. So you charge with a gun, with a knife, you run. Hiya, Frank. Would you like to be a part of history? Yes, I would. Big business and the government are working together, trying to pull us apart. Something's got to be done. What else you say? Now's not the time to not say. We're going at war with these people. War. Things have gotten out of hand with our friend. You gotta sit down, everybody says so. No, I'm not sitting down, I can't do it! It's what it is. What it is. I know things they don't know I know. It's gonna happen. Either way, he's going. You know, I don't, uh, I don't care whether you did it or not. That makes no difference to me. Yeah, I don't. I'm here to defend you, right? Right. What do you want to know? You want to know if I did it or not? No. <laughs> and the IMDb plot synopsis, once again, Mr. Teed, I picked the shortest one I could find. It goes like this. In the 1950s, truck driver Frank Sheeran gets involved with Russell Buffalino and his Pennsylvania, his Pennsylvania crime family. As Sheeran climbs the ranks to become a top hitman, he also goes to work for Jimmy Hoffa, a powerful teamster tied to organized crime. Okay, so what is your history with the Irishman? So not much. <laughs> I like well, the deep say, breath. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think there is much. I mean, because it's so recent. I mean, I saw a Super Bowl ad for it. The trailer looked terrible. It looked made the movie look like a ridiculous, weird film. Um, it just seems like like uh, like I was gonna. Well, it's like whatever. These these individuals are a part of this. Martin Scorsese is making another uh gangster like film and i'll just i'll be there so don't i'll just i'll show up and so um you already sold me stop selling right and i already get netflix so i'll i'll, yeah. I'll definitely be there and then i think what got us got me and my wife to finally sit down and sit through all 17 hours of it was uh that it was on um academy awards lists i don't believe it won for anything no it was and nominated for several I, and I don't think it deserved really anything. It's it. I think it sits fine where it's at for me as like a like a good film. I like I come away from it good, not great. Um, just in the in shorthand, uh, just just feeling and having seen it a second time, you know, recently for this, I do kind of feel the same. I came out feeling I feel a little bit better, and I noticed a few things more this time. Uh, but but ultimately, you know, I, I'm. I, I come away from this 
excited. I was I, I was coming into this excited that I was going to get another uh, what looked like another gangster film, uh, to a period piece uh, from Martin Scorsese. He's really good at making those. Uh-huh. And then ultimately got like a like a maybe the outside of his top tier films like like Goodfellas and all that like maybe one that is uh, a a better one of those because it is so um, uh, what is it like mournful and uh, you know it, it's it's interesting to have something so reflexive or excuse me, reflective of, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of like the past and like interesting that these, all these gentlemen are doing this, you know, at this time, they even brought Joe Pesci back, you know, from out of retirement. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that he was such a hard get like that. He really, really, I mean, even in the, in the, the supplemental, uh, in the the conversation, um, it is just a it's just a round table of them at a table having drinks and talking and it's very interesting listening to Joe Pezzi go yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not coming back this was this was already hard enough like I had to be promised that I wasn't going to be screaming my head off and killing people and stuff like that to to, to do this and um and yeah I, I it's not it's it's way above casino for me but not quite the heights that that goodfellas is to me but it's it's almost there it's it's kind of fantastic in how well i I think this one will hold up years later um but it's it's just interesting because it's it came out in 2019 and it's like it came to netflix as well as theaters and so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a a victim in some ways of like the streaming generation and and stuff like that because at least with with silence like it came out in the theater and then like what like eight to ten months later i was watching it on amazon or whatever and that's how i right. was able to catch it but this one was available like the week the opening weekend i think right or was yeah. it yeah 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 or was it yeah and so like we were able to just pop this in and just hey a new martin scorsese dropped let's watch like and and so like it's just weird now because isn't that how i believe that's how killers of the flower moon's supposed to happen I think we're getting it Ooh, from is that true wow i think we're getting it from netflix too right so i would i don't know what the plan is or how they're going to drop it i would think that they'd want it out in theaters at least a month and then be like hey netflix boom you know because isn't i think it might have been a netflix film maybe it's not i don't know yeah i guess it Anyways, just depends on what the business model is and in terms of what's more profitable we should be, we should be getting a trailer for that soon right really just, it doesn't it, i don't feel like it's been shooting that long now has it no it started well it started filming at the beginning of this month. So I would think the earliest we'd get a trailer is the fall as we get ready for its release. And like, I think November, December, like this one was. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. It depends on, uh, you know, I, I would imagine this newer one's not going to have as much uh, technology behind it. So I wouldn't think it's going to take very long comparatively. But, but it's so weird because my history with that kind of, goes in tandem with like how easy it is to stream it we were able to see something that i know a half a decade just a few short years ago we would have made the time i mean this is our first fall with a child so it probably yeah. would have been semi-impossible for us to you know i guess we could have found a setter or whatever but but i'm just saying in general like we didn't make much time for even the movies we really wanted to see outside of streaming so 
it's interesting that like it's interesting that this is all of this streaming or straight to streaming is happening at the time that we actually really needed to happen on because <laughs> in order for us to keep current with movies because we don't I mean we could have watched in the heights for a good month now and and we just haven't because yeah. we've been holding out for the possibility that we could get a sitter to go see it in, in theaters, which is how I think a lot of these should be should be viewed. Mm-hmm. I would have I would have seen Irishman in theaters if I had been given the opportunity, but it was just so much easier, so much easier to just hit a button and just go. Oh, you just want to sure. watch this one tonight? Yeah, okay, okay. And we watched it, you know. And then Absolutely. we woke up, we woke up out of a seventeen hour stupor and. We had seen the Irishman. It's just <laughs> and it's just now ending, so we can finally talk about it. Started in 2019. Uh, that's what I sort of felt like at times. Um, so this was the first watch that I had seen this. This is the first time I'd seen this. So this is two episodes in a row where I'd seen each of the movies for the first time. And I watched it earlier today, mm-hmm. which is part of why I didn't get some of the stuff done in time. And that's why I, I was late. <laughs> I Which is to, why you were saying I need to be 10 minutes late. Yeah, I had to finish if you were the movie, 15 minutes though, no. Yeah, I had to finish the movie and then I had to go uh, do some stuff and before before we were done, before we were ready to record. So I was looking forward to this because I was like, okay, this is, a, this is a return to the subject matter. This is, you know, going to be, I figured the Irishman, what I know about... Um, Goodfellas and that sort of thing. I was like, all right, so it's a guy that can't be like a made man. He's going to be a guy that is going to be, um, you know, he's going to have to be like the enforcer type or like a friend of a friend kind of a situation. It's not going to be a person that is going to be able to be made in quotes. And so I was like, all right, that's interesting. Um, I don't remember watching a ton of previews for this. I, I remember knowing that it was, a Netflix movie that it was nominated for all these Oscars. I remember it not winning any of those Oscars. Uh, I remember seeing, um, I remember watching the Oscars and, and thinking I was shocked at how old everyone looked uh, in real <laughs> in real life. I was like, Oh my God, like Joe yep. Pesci is really old and Marty is looking really bad is kind of what I was thinking while I was watching it because they're just, you know, they're not made up and they're not like movie screen ready. I mean, they're, they're going to a, an event and sure they look a certain way, but you're just like, geez, they are layer like older men, like they're older guys. And, and, and so, men, a screen people tend to be, or screen men tend to be like, they don't have, they have it easier where they don't have to do as much. Oh yeah. 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 They're just to, like, yeah, I'm just putting on a hat and I'm going out kind of a thing instead of yeah. uh, the female counterparts. Um, so I was, I was looking forward to this. I knew that it was long and I knew of all the jokes about it being a long movie and that kind of thing. Uh, and then I watched it and, uh, I really felt the length. I like, I was like, holy fuck. Like this is a long movie. Cause I remember at one point pausing it going, oh, I've got to have like 10 minutes left. And I still had like an hour and a half. And I was like, what? Oh my God. And so I did watch it in chunks to where I watched it for a little while went and had lunch or whatever watched it for you know another hour or so and then took a break and that kind of thing so i watched it more like a limited series as opposed to a movie and and one full sit and my big takeaway was as soon as they stopped doing the de-aging i liked it a lot more when we had the beginning and it was like 
Goodfellas by way of Robert Zemeckis, I was like, I don't like this at all. Like I, I was really, really struggling with the, the faux young Robert De Niro because I thought that that looked terrible. Like as soon as they get, when he's in the truck, when they're like, Oh, Hey, look at where we are. And it's like the, it's the thing where they're meeting each other. It, I felt like I was watching the Polar Express or I felt like I was watching uh, a cut scene in Grand Theft Auto or something. And I was like, this <laughs> does not, this does not look right. And what part of my issue was, is it looked like from scene to scene, Pesci and De Niro were different actors that had all of this de-aging put on them is what it looked like to me for, I was like, well, that's, that doesn't look like him in this one moment, or that doesn't look like him here. And so it felt to me like, oh, this is one group of people working on this scene. And then this next scene, this is a different group of people. And so the, the variations are slight, but they're still there. And I felt like it watching it going, oh, this is like when early CGI was doing uh, Blade 2 or something and everyone looks really rubbery and you're just kind of like oh okay it's just a thing that they had to do but for me that was really hard to get over um, once they are dealing with them when they're older I really liked that like I thought it was really interesting to where you know Goodfellas is all about wanting to be a gangster and the beginning parts and Casino is about when you finally made it and who you're willing to betray then and then irishman is about when you've made it and you're still alive what's it like as you're the only one left alive and that kind of thing like i thought that that is a really interesting idea but the beginning like third i could have completely done without because i was until hoffa gets there i was like i don't i i don't like the look of this and it was really kind of bothering me I I'm I agree I agree I agree with all of this I I guess I feel a little bit less um, uh, strongly about the um, special effects to uh-huh. make them younger uh-huh. I I I still think they looked like real people I didn't think they looked rubbery or anything like that I have a weird eye for that type of stuff I'm not able to, I I didn't necessarily think I was looking at anything computer generated I in fact I really wasn't even looking just what was perplexing to me was when he was driving the, the meat truck that they were referring to uh, Sheeran as, uh, as kid. And I was just like, kid, <laughs> they kept doing that too. And what I was like, what are they talking f- about? Yeah. Because the way that like Robert De Niro looks and I did like that he's both times. I watched this all, yeah. all, all million hours of this. I, I couldn't believe I'm like, what are they talking about? He's got like, all these like strong laugh lines and stuff like that. Like he, he's got wrinkles on his face oh. after they took off the wrinkles. And he you looks know, like he's, he's a 70 year old man. The way that he moves his body the entire time. Never, ever did I believe that he was a younger person. And then when they, they start, both, they start calling him kid. And I was like, is this just his nickname? Because there's no way that they're trying to tell me that he's a young dude. You know what they should have just done? Honestly, I'm not kidding here. I I really think they should have just hired younger actors. Just be a different actor. But That's... not only that. But not only that. Make it make it Leo and Robert. Absolutely. Did they did they do the did they make Marlon Brando younger in Godfather freaking two? Hell no, I mean, they, they didn't. They couldn't. They couldn't. So they, they make made a Robert... different actor, and so they but, just 
like you but can't it, tell me that there's not somebody that you just want to be the next Robert De Niro that just nails something and this is his it opportunity. Been, it would have been fun because it would have been like this this represents certain parts of, the, of his life. Yes. And whatnot. And like like but but also symbolic in a way for for Marty, because then he could just cast like all these crazy great actors for this big time, like, like roll out the red carpet thing. Well, I mean, and, I, honestly, I'm fine with that because, and then even they even did that for um, Goodfellas, uh, the young younger actor that plays um, for uh, what's his head? Uh, I can't, I'm having a hard time with his name. Uh, the main character. Um, I'm gonna let you sit and figure it out. Yeah, I can't think of what his name is he's got uh, kind of the pockmarked cheeks what's yes. his name uh, what's his name uh, it starts with ray ray liotta <laughs> there you go ray liotta. yeah when, uh, when they had him as a younger person it looked like him but it wasn't him obviously like it resembled him the other thing I'm feeling is in this film the other the other thing that I kind of like that I guess I would count as marks against this film is I understand why Peggy would be mad older Peggy mm, yes. played by Anna Paquin I understand yes. why she would be mad I just don't think we get that or I missed something both times I watched it um because suddenly she's just super pissed mm-hmm. at at uh her dad frank mm-hmm. and so like and i love the duality too of like joe or russell joe pesci russell like wanting to be like super buddy buddy with with peggy um and ultimately I, her like not going for it really yeah see i thought that, that was gonna go down a darker path for a while and jimmy jimmy hoffa she just loves jimmy hoffa yes so I okay, like uh, you know, I, I guess because there was a there was a bit of a controversy surrounding Anna Paquin's uh, character. Yeah, about how she about she has that. like one line basically, right? Or like she had no lines or, or something. She, like no, you, well, you she, the... she she speaks like twice or something in the movie. Okay, but still, like very powerful, very mm-hmm. good. I didn't mm-hmm. think anything was necessarily wrong, and like I got it. It just felt like there was a scene missing where she discovers something about her father. Now I know they show stuff when he's younger, but I don't, it, it seemed like a real strong reaction. I guess, I guess how would you not know, right? At the very, at the end of it all, when you are uh, Peggy and you are looking up to Frank. And yeah. You are... So they do establish that she is kind of the most clued in of the kids uh, because okay. she's, she's sort of like turning around and watching him leave and kind of giving him the look of like, is that really what you're doing? Are you going to, are you doing something different uh, than what you're stating or where are you actually going? You know, that kind of a thing. But I, I felt like for a movie that's almost four hours long, like you can't squeeze in a moment where she finds out like i don't need a road to perdition to where you have the character looking through a peephole and seeing the father killing people but something like that would have definitely solidified any of the sort of or it would have taken away any sort of the peggy problems because then 
she's seen what her father does. She's seen that he is a painter, right? That he paints the walls. And she could have just been like, you know what? This is a toxic person that I don't choose to have in my life. And she completely avoids him until that funeral scene. And that would have been fine for me, but instead it's implied rather than seen. And I don't, I just, I don't know that that plays as well. Uh, yeah. I, I, I thought it's weird. Cause I, I'm, I'm kind of like, it was a strong performance, but also it just felt like there was a, a big chunk missing in the writing. And maybe yeah. that's, I don't know. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we don't need that because we still got it. We still understood. So maybe it's, maybe it's not worth putting in. I don't know. It feels like a little bit too small of a thing to nitpick about if that's, if that's what I'm doing here. It it is weird Um, that it's Anna Paquin though, because I see Anna Paquin and I'm like, Oh, she's going to do something like this is, this is not someone that you asked. Very good point. That's that's actually a very good point. Yeah. Because like, I I don't know. Um, like, uh some of the other names here like uh like irene i don't know the actress stephanie kurtzuba or carrie buffalino like Catherine narducci I, I don't know those actresses and so if it was them in that role maybe i don't think anything of it because i'm like oh yeah okay i don't know who they are this daughter is pissed because it looks like she probably knows what's up but when you have Anna Paquin in there, I'm like, oh, okay, well, she's going to do something. Like, she's going to be the sort of female figure that takes down these males or something. But that doesn't happen. She's just, she's just mad at him. And that's kind of it. So, I don't know. I thought that, that's just a strange choice for me. Yeah. I, mm. One of the surprises for me, though, was uh, in a movie like this was Ray Romano. I thought, like I've never been a Ray Romano oh, yeah. person, but I thought that he was actually really good in this. I'm trying to find the other guy. Who was the crazy guy? What was that guy's name? Stephen Graham played uh, Tony Pro. He was the guy that was talking about 15 minutes or 10 minutes and what's too late for Al Pacino. And he was uh, the guy that had the confrontation with him at the jail. No, oh, this was the crazy guy that was like, he killed like a chicken and oh. he was all... Oh, you're talking about Bobby Carnavale that played Skinny Razor? Barbie Carnavale, Skinny Razor, that's his name, yeah. Yeah. So so Stephen Graham, or excuse me, goddammit, Bobby (laughs) Carnavale and Ray Romano were both in a television show between um, Irishman and Silence. Marty uh, did the pilot episode of a show called Vinyl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am telling you now, do not skip this. Don't sleep on vinyl. Now, I can't speak for season one, the only season that ever came out for it because it was canceled after its first season. Apparently, the pilot came, blew my freaking head off. (laughs) I loved it. I I legitimately loved vinyl and was like, I could see this, A, ending here, because the pilot episode is feature length. Mm. It's crazy. I, I put in that work this weekend. Listen, I put uh. I, I stuffed I stuffed vinyl in just to see what it is. But Ray Romano is in it with Bar- Bobby Carnival, and they both are f- incredible in it. They're both they're both uh, they both work in like the the record industry. Yeah, 
and they're selling during the seventies and it's like all this lovely uh, uh, Scorsese inspired rock and, and craziness that's happening uh, in a very interesting time in, in the music industry. The where, where it ends at the end of uh, the pilot episode, I could have just been totally fine with that. Great done. But um but I'm kind of curious about the rest of that first season. Apparently it didn't make that much of an impact and it eventually got canceled. Um, but it's all on HBO, blah, blah, blah. But to your point, you will get to see more of Ray Romano in oh. that type of role of him being very good. He is kind of a revelation in, in Irishman, but he also, it's like, it was easy to see with him being so in close proximity with seeing vinyl. And so it's, that's kind of fascinating. That's um, he also um, in 2018, maybe 2017. I might be, I might be, it might have ah, within the last five years. Uh, Ray Romano uh, was also uh, fantastic as the father in um, the Big Sick. Oh, okay, yes, 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 yes. He was really fantastic. He's part of a lot of really funny comedy in that. Um, did you end up seeing that one? I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, that's really good. When it's he, really funny, yeah. When he talks to uh, Kumal, uh, his character, and it oh, says, and he, like, and he talks about 9 11 and all that stuff. I, I haven't really talked to, to anybody about 9 11. He's like, uh, okay. Well, it was well, terrible. We lost seven of our, eight, of our best men. Of our best pilots, or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those where Ray Romano plays. Um, he plays like earnest and dumb really well. Yes. And so he says things and you're like, Oh God, is he not in on the joke or is he in on the joke? And he just kind of plays that like a, it's almost like a vulnerability that he, that he throws out on screen at times. And you're like, Oh man, this guy is, uh, I don't think he's in on the joke that everyone else is. And so it reminds me of an old boss I had. Oh, is that right? So it's, it's, it's very easy. And, and like, he's as the age Ray Romano is in this film now. Mm. And so it's easy for me to watch this film and feel the same feelings and just be like, Oh boy. Cause yeah, he is kind of like he, he, the way he goes. So like, I don't, I don't, I would, I would back you no matter what I would, I would represent you no matter what, whether or not you did it or not, but you know, <laughs> I, you know did you do it? Did you do it? Like, I just kind of want to know, like, like That's that funny. is such a, yeah. That's funny. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's a guy that um, I don't ever know that I'm going to like when he's on screen because I don't have like a great history with him. Uh, but then he, I feel like he just continues to surprise me each time that he's in something that I that I end up liking. So I, I did write down vinyl. I am going to check that check that out. We do have uh, HBO Max. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's worth your time, especially okay. since you are so you are now like on the other side of this uh, Scorsese verse. Yeah. Like you, you know, this is one of those pieces that I'm like, look at what he's doing here. Like he did the, he did a boardwalk empire pilot, which yeah, I thought yeah, was yeah. strong. It was strong. Right. I liked it. Um, but I don't know, man, if he were to continue, like if he wanted to like make more vinyl, uh, I would be behind that. If, if, if Marty was like into that, but I'm sure, I'm sure Bobby, Bobby Carnival would also like to be in more, in more vinyl. Cause he, it makes him look like a total badass in this or just oh, a crazy man. But yeah, interesting. 
uh jesse plemons makes an appearance again yes that's that's uh, the uh the fish buyer that i had mentioned earlier uh when he's going to pick up his dad when he's going to he, pick up jimmy hoffa jesse has clearly made a, a a deal with the netflix devil because he's in like everything <laughs> netflix now so <laughs> well it's it's uh as i continue to laugh whenever he's referred to as method damon uh, that always makes <laughs> that always makes me laugh. It's a, like a harsh oh. sort of Jesse Plemons joke, but I think he is hilarious. Like I love I him look... in Date Night, um, date, or not Date Night, uh, Game Night. Game Night. Yes, excuse me. Yeah. That, is, that is really really funny. How uh, does Frito Lay make any money out of that? <laughs> does it make any economic sense or whatever? He this says? Is, yeah, <laughs> he is going to be very prevalent in Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, that's right. So I'm and, very very excited for that. He's in uh, less than a month from now. He's in Jungle Cruise. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes, Disney, with the Rock. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, just a guy. Like I really liked when he was in the the Star Trek Black Mirror episode. Um, he's just a guy that can be all of the things, right? Like he can be a, a heavy in um, Judas and the Black Messiah. He can be a guy that is in this and is kind of like a doof that doesn't really. He's not real clued in to everything. No. Um, and, and he just has a lot of range for being a guy that he's just a very good character actor and a younger character actor. Yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of nice to see, but, but yeah, like I was saying, like once we get past the, the kind of the first third, I thought that this was really good. Like I liked getting to see how these guys age and they go to the jail together. And De Niro's like, you know, Frank's character is like, oh, I got I got into or I had to go to trial for this fucking thing or that other fucking thing, whatever it was. And then it lists like murder. <laughs> and it was all these like <laughs> assault, murder and all these sorts of things. And he just kind of plays it off like those are all no big deal. And we get to see them in in jail and Joe Pesci's got no teeth. And you know, they talk about not allowing crutches or a cane because you might beat someone and it's just sort of feeling like real life as these gangsters age and that i really liked uh once we got into the sort of like uh once we were in that beginning piece where it was like uh reliving our old glories i wasn't i wasn't as into that stuff so. no i'm i'm uh, it's <sighs> This was the ultimate, like, like, um, you normally most is most used to seeing, um, no consequences for these bad men, like, oh, I get to live in the suburbs and I'll be just fine, or, yeah. or you know, at the end of my horrible, horrible bender of killing tons of people and, uh, and, and get now getting away with it or whatever. Now it's like you are lucky that you've lived long enough, first of all, in your business. Yeah, really. And like now that you're seeing all of them die off, like you're the last one out. Like it, there's a literal shot of the door being open at the end of the film, and like the hospital, like it's like a, I think it's like a bar that that you can hold on to to walk down the hallway. It's not a hospital. It's like assisted living place. Oh yeah, that right. Yep, yep. And it's like lit. It's like a. It's like a lit banister or something like that. Um, oh that yeah, you, yeah. You can hold on. Yeah, to. I remember looking and at this. Yeah. He, and he is literally at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. The end of the line. Mm-hmm. And he is standing there, and the door is not quite open because it's too final. It's too final. 
Like, you can't close the door. It's too final. Mm-hmm. Can you leave the door open a little bit for mm-hmm. me? Can you not bury me or cremate me? It just feels too final. Too final. I don't like that. I I would rather just be in a building. Yeah, it was, it, it was just such a screaming of, like, all of these people's end of their careers to me. Yeah. Like, it, you know, Marty's trying to do stuff that reminds him of when he was young, and so is De Niro, and so is Pacino, and, they, you know, they got Harvey Keitel in here even. Chino to me in this was he was doing his his Donald Trump, like he was <laughs> like like he was like he was doing like a, like a like a, obviously a not a, not as uh, I don't know buffoonery as much buffoonery as like maybe Trump and not not because of political stuff but just in general he was able to like stand up at a podium and scream. And oh yeah. It was cult of personality sort of. A yeah. He really, yeah. he really was. Uh, this was probably the best I've seen uh, Pacino in years. I thought he was really good too. And that's one of the things that's weird. It's like the, the de-aging on Pesci for the most part looks fine. When Pacino's playing younger, I think that looks pretty good. It's De Niro is, it just looks so bad to me. And that's what really threw me off. And it kind of distracted me from how good Pacino really was because I did think that his Hoffa was, was really quite good. I mean, all these men, you know, know this era and know, you know, know the, the, like they make a joke about how, well, they, you know, Al Pacino just got up from the couch, but he got up like whatever age he's at, he is 70 something, you know, we need you to get up as a 49 year old. (laughs) and like they were they were laughing about it but at the same time it's like that's a good point maybe hire younger actors with with 49 year old bodies because i don't care how much how much uh animation you put on the guy like it's gonna be hard to 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 just move yeah yeah to move in the in the way that you need to move that's why i was just like very weird maybe you're right maybe that maybe in like another let's say 20 years i'll watch um, I'll watch the Irishman and I'll all the only thing I'll think about is my God, like look at how old these guys are and they look, it looks very, I don't know. Like, like this is going to be really hard to like come back to maybe in 20 years or so, because it'll be so obvious that yeah. this was, it's, it's just like a sort of moment in, in movies where they're trying to do the de-aging. And when you look at it, later you could say oh well here they didn't quite have it because especially like it's in robert de niro's eyes to where they're so sparkly and so sort of cgi uh looking to where i was like oh uh i don't really care for grand theft auto thank you very much but i guess i can see that this is supposed to be robert de niro and he's just like a 70 year old man kind of moving around and it's just a different physicality than a kid that he's supposed to be like either in his twenties or his early thirties. They all just looked like no matter what version they were, they all still just looked so old. They did that. It didn't really make much sense. And so it was hard. It was hard to read. Yeah. Um, Because there was times where they would go through different ages. And I was like, well, is he supposed to be 30 or 40 or 50 or like, how old is he supposed to be here? You're right though. Like, like when they're old, old, like in the, yeah. in the home and stuff like that, they look incredible. Like that does. Look yeah. Really when good. it's just, that looks like that's just makeup to me. And maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe that's CGI right. too, but that I, looks like makeup. I think that it is digital makeup. All of it was digital makeup. Oh, okay. I think all of it was they, because they talked about how 
they were trying to get it to the point where they wouldn't have to use those uh, tennis balls or whatever. Yeah, Not tennis balls, dots but little, little dots. They were trying to get to the point where they wouldn't have to use that because um, they used Pesci as kind of like a they threw him under the bus a little bit. We're like, because he's not going to want to sit in a chair all day getting that stuff applied to him or whatever. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no, I'm out, I'm out. I don't want to have anything to do with that. So we came back with ILM came back with like this this like technology where it would just capture it perfectly and and you would be able to do all this. It's like wow. I mean, I never really like. I never thought anything looked like glaringly bad, but I'm also kind of a little bit forgiving because I, I, mean, I think in some ways I do play games and kind of see some crappier stuff out there. So maybe my, <laughs> my, my palette, well, it's true. I mean, some, some of the stuff just gets rushed. Yeah. You're just uh, used to looking at it. So it just is like, Oh yeah. It just looks like good this point too. Yeah. Um, also, I, I don't have any concept for like what these actors look like, like currently. Oh, well, that's what so, that Oscar thing was like. So shocking to right, me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, God, Joe Pesci is old as fuck. Like, holy yeah. shit. Because yeah, I always think yeah. of him as being like home alone age, always. Like a yeah, little poorly side. But it's like, no, he's a skinny, like really old man now. Yep. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I thought that this was, like I said, I thought it was good. I'm glad I watched The Irishman. Uh I don't know that I will return to it because like, frankly, the storyline isn't as interesting when they're talking about the union and the teamsters and all this kind of stuff. And it's a little more um, political than something like a Goodfellas feels to me. Goodfellas is like Henry Hill's individual story. And that story could be anyone's story to where this is like, not anyone could be Jimmy Hoffa and have that sort of legend surrounding it. So I, I mean, obviously I prefer Goodfellas, but I think that it was good. I just, uh, I just didn't ever really, it, it was a film that never really made me feel either. So I was kind of watching it going, okay, yeah, now this is happening. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Oh, they're shooting this that's guy. All right. Point. That's, that's interesting, but I never that's really felt anything. So. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, well, that's a good point. I really didn't think about that, but I, I come up, I come out of the other side of Goodfellas just thinking like, man, what a crazy ride that was, man. Yeah. What a, what a, what a, what a breakneck speed, like drug addled craziness that that was. And then uh-huh. I, I get to this one and it's so much more plotting and so much more, uh, 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 you know, so much more of a, of a, of a, like a, not, not a pot boiler, but like, cause it doesn't really, even when it does, like when things are action happening, like in it, like it still isn't, it still is very subtle. Yeah. Um, when, when he gets on that plane in the morning and then does the deed and then comes back on the same plane in the same day from Detroit, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, like, like this is, this is such a more, uh, I, would, I would never say watered down, but it's, it's, it's just not as, it doesn't, bite nearly as hard as as something like good good fellows which is just like the rock star of the of the group of like all the it's so loud and so boisterous and whatnot and this is such a different change and i guess i welcome that because i like the contemplativeness and i like i like some of that stuff but it's not without it's it's like weird blemishes Mm -hmm. even even some of the goofiness of frank um trying to find his words because well, he because he, he doesn't talk a lot he's not a person that 
you know, lets out his feelings very often. And it's fascinating, fascinating to, to, it, it does make me want to go after the book too. Like that's another one that, that like, I bet there's, I bet, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a, t- a ton more information, even about Peggy and all that stuff like that, that I've wondered about that maybe I'll have to check out, but as a film and as it sits, as it sits now, I, I mean, I, I can't think of any other context for who this film is for anymore, you know, because, because, because Scorsese makes films presumably for him, presumably for, because he, because when you look at his, um, at his uh, uh, journey through American movies, uh, he, one of the things he talks about is his, his love of the gangster film and like, gangsters today aren't the gangster film from the gangster films yeah they're not the same yeah so it's almost like scorsese rightfully should probably be the last one to put the final nail on the coffin of the gangster film as we see them like gangster films now to me are who are the big bad criminals now it would resemble wolf of wall street Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. i think wolf of wall street is like it is a a gangster film without actual like 30s gangsters it's not a period piece or anything like that it's just you get to watch this bad guy be bad yeah and then you just get to just keep on watching him be bad and like no you're not supposed to it is it's like those old 30s uh cagney films we're watching him be bad and, and be this, this crazy guy. But like at no point, I'm sure, I'm sure they felt the same way that we felt about Leo's performance in Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, are we supposed to be on his side? Yeah. Of course not. Of course not. You're, you're supposed, you're just waiting for the fall, you know, like that's, that's been every one of these movies to this point, you know, and then usually in order to end it on a very like higher note, like, you know, they have to, they have to do something here. So with the Irishman, it's way more, um, it's way more sadder and way more, uh, uh, contemplative. Uh, yeah. but I think that's why it's, I think that's why it survives. I think that's why I think it, it deserves uh, a look by people and, you know, needs to, it needs to, it needs to sit next to those other films. I wouldn't put it nearly as high, but yeah, it, it, it fits. It fits with the entire catalog. Yeah, it's like the unofficial trilogy, right? The unofficial yeah. gangster trilogy with Casino and Goodfellas. Really and yeah, yeah. So you have the two trilogies, really, where you have uh, his exploration in in Christ with the uh, Last Temptation and Kundun, and then Silence, and then another yeah. sort of end of a trilogy here, which is whether he knows it or not, or whether it's conscious or not, is sort of like a wrapping up of things is what it feels like for his career to where it's like well here's the end of my treatise on this here's the end of my discussion about that he could have never made another movie after irishman i I doubt that would have ever happened but but like that what a that actually does feel like an appropriate one to end on yeah like like if i've never heard of killers of the flower moon or any of that other stuff like that actually does feel like the like oh wow like he's sending it all out because you know, you got Goodfellas, you got Casino and stuff like that. And this ends the trilogy, but you also have like Mean Streets, which is kind of like yeah. the, 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 the prequel, you know, and they even put a little Mean Streets in here with, with putting Kaitel in there. I mean, he's not nearly <laughs> right, as strong right, of a right. presence. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the times that he is in there, he is effective at being mm-hmm. this like, you know, he's, he's a, a, too. He, he, like he's a tough, he's like an enforcer type. Yeah. 
but yeah, I thought, I thought having Kaitel in there was good. And um, I thought that there was a lot of elements that I really liked about it. There was just some things that I thought was just trying to do technology for technology's sake to where it's like, look, we, this is not working. We need to hire a younger person for these roles. And that would have been fine because that's what they've done for dozens and dozens and of, uh, of decades or, you know, several decades, we'll say it that way. So I don't know. I wish they would have done that because the younger De Niro really distracted me and the movie's really long. <laughs> the movie's really long. And I just wish that it wasn't so long because I would love to just throw it in and watch it again. But it's like, fuck, it's almost four hours long. I don't know yeah, that I'm going to just make, sit and watch another four hour long movie. We're, it makes me think that we're in this weird transitional uh, uh, maybe growing pains or whatever. I don't know what, what movies will look like here in the next decade, but I'm going to guess that stuff like if you have someone like Scorsese making something, you're probably going to give him as much running time as you possibly can. He probably has it in his claws or whatever. That yeah, he gets final cut or whatever. You get final cut. You get to make just set the, the however long you want it to be. Yeah. But I wonder if, it would have made more sense for this to be a two-parter like mini series or three-parter, you know what I mean? Like, especially just, if it's Netflix, like just do it yeah, as a limited series that, then uh, you're essentially saying what I'm, what I'm, where I'm going. And, and that's <laughs> like, like, we're going to probably get to this point where think about it. You get to spend way more time with Frank Sheeran and get to like, let this, let this uh, thing grow. And that way it doesn't seem like a lopsided, you know, top heavy, yeah. film it's because in my mind in comparison to the if i look at if i just click on martin scorsese and i look at the stuff he's directed like it seems it look it looks it's like a, a huge ship flying overhead that's how that's how it like that's how it looks in comparison to some of these other ones yeah the king of comedy and like shutter island and all that stuff those look in silence silence is long but like they're all like relatively like oh running time type movies irishman <laughs> Is like this massive zeppelin that's coming in. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It really is. So it really is. All right. Well, anything else about uh, the Irishman um, before we say goodbye? Ben and I are uh, more likely than not going to come back once Marty's latest movie comes out, and we go uh, fingers crossed to the theater and uh, and check it out there. That's going to probably be more like uh the winter-ish time so it'll be a little while before we do that but uh, anything else about scorsese uh at this moment well you you asked about um nothing more about um the irishman but scorsese in general i have so much more appreciation now that i've gone through every one of his films except for the miniseries pretend it's a city which was 20 a 2021 release so i wouldn't have seen it up to this point anyways but every single thing that i've watched from him including like even even like the rock docs and stuff like that you get a sense for the even if i didn't really care for what was being presented the one thing i can really say about marty is that he absolutely goes after what he loves and what he wants like he loves rock and roll. So he's going after the rock, you know, the rock and roll. Uh, he loves Bob Dylan. He loves all the boomer music and stuff like that. He loves uh, old films. So he tries to 
remake them or or celebrate them the way he does in the aviator and hugo you know mm-hmm. he becomes this ambassador of film he becomes like the head of the church of film and stuff like that so there's so much uh, uh love put into a lot of his stuff that it makes me appreciate him so much more uh as he like just keeps bouncing back and forth throughout his entire career just on things that he just loves you know and, and stuff that he, he gets way way into um even to the point of like creating and recreating uh genres that are just have been gone forever you know mm-hmm. when's mm-hmm. the last time something like the age of innocence existed and like he kind of revitalized that kept it alive in the 90s or yeah the, the religious picture that you, you know a religious picture that's not god's not dead or something like that you know what i mean like you can still have you can still have a religious picture and 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 do what they do without it being very um um uh what it like propaganda almost yeah um, no, that makes sense yeah i mean he's it's not like he's um you know an artist to overlook or something like that right like his his reach will extend beyond just the movies that he's made you know his influence and uh sorry good oh oh, i was just gonna say it's just a it's just a thing where you look back and you're like you look at all these different things whether it's the trilogies that we sort of talked about the unofficial trilogies or you look at him using 3d supposedly really well in hugo or you look at him trying to do an old uh kind of noir detective thing in shutter island that uh it didn't work for me but is it's like a thing where his love of film is undeniable and so he does these different things and tries these different forms and stories that he's trying to tell but it all kind of comes down to what this episode was about to where his his discussion of religion and his and his uh, treatise on gangster films. I try to think of someone who is ju- is as diverse as he is, and I think the other person is Scorsese. Or Scorsese, I think the other person <laughs> is Spielberg. I think the other person is Spielberg. Ah, yes. Okay. I just think that Spielberg, uh, while he does make adult films, tends to maybe focus more on family oriented films. Like, there's a lot more family oriented films. Mm-hmm in his line of work and Scorsese mostly makes for adults. Um, right. The other thing too, I'm thinking about here is how diverse all of the, all of the stuff is, but still very respected at, at the old of, of what's come before. Oh um, yeah, for there's sure. Such, there's such a reverence for, um, you know, just the, just the old ways of stuff that he loved growing up to the point that where he's making it happen in Hugo or by the time silence rolls around or something like that, there is no like context for like the average young person today would not know who Jimmy Hoffa is. And that makes total, that makes total sense. Or if like person who just doesn't know that history or whatever. And so like, it's the same thing with all of the, all of the film history and, and story history and whatnot. So I think my top five, I just, I don't have to go through a whole ranked list and just because of the interest of time and I'm like slowly fading. <laughs> I think that I totally am. I think I'm just going to like, maybe not, not really in any particular order, like just say my top five. Yeah. It's, you're not going to be surprised by any of them because I put, you know, 
taxi driver, Italian American, Goodfellas, King of Comedy, After Hours. Like mm. I said, the, those you could you could it could be Thursday. It's Thursday tomorrow. You could you could put Italian American at the very very top for me. I mean, most days it will probably will be Italian American because I really really loved his depiction of his fan of his family. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that that's such a good idea for what he did, and and just his mother in particular is like the character of of his life uh, of his work. But um, yeah, just Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, King of Comedy, and After Hours are so hard to deny. Mm. See, so. mine's mine's slightly different than yours. Um, the top four, and I know I have some ties, but this is the way that uh, that uh, Letterbox is ranking them. It is uh, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, The Departed, and Raging Bull. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very close up there is The Age of Innocence, which is the one that is like. I still kind of go to as the the big surprise for me was Age of Innocence. Kind of grip my teeth at how low that is on my list. I feel I <laughs> well, still you didn't really respond bit, to it. You didn't respond. I did. To it, I really fine. did not. I really yeah. did not. Um, I still want to point out too how important personal journey is. Like, I, if I could hand, if I could reach through this computer and hand you the DVD <laughs> and just be like, "Look, you don't don't watch it now, but like when you get like three hours, four hours of your time." free <laughs> yeah uh, check this out because i do think the key is that is the key to unlocking this entire thing at work like he really he, once i once i got through that i started to understand oh i get i get how big of a film fan he is i get his his quote-unquote religion of cinema and and uh and and how to and how to navigate these films a little bit easier Right. There's always going to be some form of that in, in, in his, whether it, whether it's about uh, belief or failure or any of that type. So I sent you a little, another little clip of, it looks like uh, just a bunch of footage of his oh, films. Right. Yeah. Um, YouTube, it's like a 42 minute YouTube video of like, just kind of talking <laughs> specifically about his stuff. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. Did I ever, did I ever mention Keita Reserva? No, tell me. So Kita Reserva, he did it in t- 2007. It's this, it's this movie that it, this, it was a, a posthumous, uh, posthumously uncovered uh, unfinished script by Alfred Hitchcock. And um, it's, it, it's like not quite a finished thought really, but Scorsese produces it anyways. And it's really cool. Like it's such a cool project. Like that's what I mean is like, he just took the time one day to just go, ah, I'm just going to make this tiny short film uh, that Alfred Hitchcock like decided. And it totally feels like it too. Like hmm. everything about like the, the, uh, the, the music and the the design of it all looks just like a Hitchcock film. So he's just, he's just recreating stuff perfectly. Well, that's um, interesting. With, with reverence. So as you'd probably expect. Huh? man very interesting yeah, all right we well, did it we got through yeah, it we made it we made it is there anything else uh that you wanted to mention before we wrap this one up mr teed uh no all set okay wonderful so if you have any comments suggestions or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com you can follow the show over at twitter our handle is at plainlabelpod where you can follow me over there I'm at Eric Williams 79. We also have an Instagram account. Just search for plain label podcast and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes. You'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. So I do want to thank Mr. Teed for 
going through this Martin Scorsese journey with me. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? Uh, I am at Ben Teed on Letterboxd and Twitter. I forget what I am on Instagram, but you should be able to find me there too. I think it's Benjamin Teed. It's Benjamin Teed on, on Twitter. Okay. Or excuse me, on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it like that's mostly where I get online these days anyways. Like I'm not really really any other social media other than those because because i'm usually posting star ratings from letterbox i'm usually either i'm usually either giving uh, ben a, a clap emoji or a 100 <laughs> emoji or an eye roll emoji or some kind of something like that whenever he produces his uh instagram uh stars if you uh, see a Letterboxd review, I'm usually counting on you specifically to say something. <laughs> and it's okay if it's okay if you don't. Sometimes you just don't respond. Well, sometimes or, it's that's... movies that I haven't seen, so I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, about so that. it's hard to say yeah. something. So yep. yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, thank you for listening, and you can join me next week as we shift gears significantly and go on a brief two-part discussion with the always wonderful Sean Pryor as he educates me on some anime. Yeah.